bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Welcome to After Things. I'm Andrew Maine, joined by Brian Brushwood. Blip, 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 blue is how we say hello in my native tongue. And Gesundheit, Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hi! <laughs> I like how the camera just got blurry, too. <laughs> as, as if you'd sneezed right on it. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, so... I'm going to bring up something that's kind of interesting. I mean, to me, and it's it's a, it's a process I've gone through, and it's one of these things that's hard to understand until you go through it. And when you go through it, it can act, often be very, very painful or difficult to sort of deal with. Um, I know an author who just put out like their first book, and I went and I bought a copy of their book off of Amazon to support them, and they did it like I think through Create Space or one of those things. And I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I'll give this a shot, try to read it. I bought it to support them. I open up the book, and I can't read it. Now, what, do, uh, in what way? Like, like it just, it just, you start reading, you're like, Ugh. no, I, I, it is. So when I've gone through and, you know, done, you know, done e-publishing and then I've done things like try to put my books into print, there's a lot of trial and error and you learn not everything's arbitrary. A lot of things are done for a reason. And in this case, I pick up this book and I open it up. And the first thing I noticed is that it's a fiction book, but there's spaces between the paragraphs. Every paragraph, space, next paragraph, which is fine for nonfiction. You often do that. You chunk it in nonfiction books to get points across or whatever. That's, that's a good thing. In fiction where you want to have much more of a flow, where you're taking somebody into something and going, bringing them through, you don't put spaces between paragraphs, right? It's, it's, it's a fundamental formatting mistake, okay? Yeah. I mean, I that guess was, unless like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. I, I like the only examples I can think of are, are like, you know, uh, faux email exchanges where it's formatted to look like you're sending a, you know, but that, but that's a block text to email. Yeah. Are, are taking the reader out of, of this narrative to put them into something else thematically. Right. So, so imagine you pick up a novel and every, like, you know, every single paragraph, there's the space, 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 not an indentation, whatever. Okay. Right. So that's problematic right and then i'm like well can i read i start to read it and i realize standard publishing is about 250 to 300 words per page Mm -hmm. right that's readability that's 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 probably the limit of easy of readability 600 words per page on this so wait there's double spaces and it's super dense on words okay so the problem is, is I'm in a position where I don't think this person listens to this podcast or anything like that, so I'm not too worried. But it's like, like I can't read this thing. So, you know? so this is a case where it might be a brilliantly written piece of fiction, but it doesn't matter because uh, not f- focusing on the basic fundamentals, the building blocks, the formatting on here has placed you in the position where you can't get through it or it's, it's difficult to give it a, even a chance. Oh, I think I like where this is. This is this is a very very good after things topic. Why is that? Is how to tell your friend or someone you like that their thing sucks. Well, I, I don't. I mean, that's a certainly direction there. And I've I've gone through this before. Uh, years ago, Justin and I had a friend who's a very very clever guy, a very very funny guy, a very smart guy, 
who wanted me to produce a film project with them. And th- I mean, this is going back way back, you know, decade back, right? And I'm like, great. Yeah, he's like, I'm working on a script, right? He finally delivers a script, which I notice is the size of a phone book, which is a little bit of a warning. And he says, hey, guess what? I also put a plot in there. Not as a joke. It's serious because there's a bunch of funny sort of, isn't this funny if this thing happens? Isn't this funny if this thing happens? Whatever. And, and then I open it up. And I told him, like, oh, is it, can you do it in screenplay format? And what he did was he center justified everything. <laughs> now, keep in mind, if you're not familiar, there are uh, – I assume there are alternatives now. But it's like I remember people who wanted to write scripts who it's like, oh, I can't – what is it? Final uh, final draft? Is final is, is that the, the screenwriting stuff? It's like yeah. $150 software at some point. There's free versions of that now. Uh, there, there is now. There is now. But I mean, like, that's how important it used to be or is to write in proper screenwriting format is that th- that at some point companies could charge $150 oh, yeah. for the privilege of formatting it for you. Yeah. So and that was like, oh, man. So not only was this something that this person did not bother to edit down and, and like, the, you know, the total the total page count was probably about 400 pages of script and his plan was we'll shoot it all and then we'll edit it afterwards to figure out <laughs> and, 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 and so it's about a minute a page right that's the uh that's yeah, the, this the was standard first was for a little indie movie what we're going to do is we're going to shoot 400 pages of stuff and then edit and find the movie there and it's like all right i know what happened here this person in the in the in the trying to get everything went through a very stressful period finally got this down and then the solution was well now we'll just shoot and it's like no the easiest thing to do is to edit this mother down. That's I mean, what you do because, you know, so. I mean, that's, I don't dispute anything you just said. But what I just heard is that his plan was to shoot six and a half hours of footage and find the two and a half hour movie that's in there. Which, uh, isn't, that, isn't that what they did with the, the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings? Isn't that pretty much the same thing? Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's not. That's not what happened with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, I mean, uh, Lord of the Rings had uh, the, the a, a studio that said, hey, here's a gigantic story that we are then going to chop up and and attack on a smaller level each part of it. Right. Uh, and, and then shoot as much and then wound up shooting more like aside from some of the principal photography that they had done that would cover uh, scenes of all three for an indie movie. Like, I, I mean, I think have we all shot our own little uh, 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 movies. I mean, I know uh, me and Andrew have. Yeah. Have yeah. Shot. yeah I, I did. Uh, I did lucidity with, uh, with uh, Jason Murphy and uh, you know, I don't know if you want to count any of the film ride stuff, the, the, the skits that I did, but I, sure, mean, I mean, but like a, a feature length or, or, or longer, like, or something that was like, you know, longer than a, a 30 minute runtime. No, I, I have not participated in one of those. I think a short film certainly is, is enough to get to my point, sure. which is shooting, an independent movie with you and your friends, man. Like it is not little rascals. It is not like everybody wants to show up and everybody wants to do stuff. Uh, you know, there, there was a, a point in which when, when, uh, you know, Andrew had, had wrote and wanted and uh, wanted to directed, I uh, wanted to direct movies. And that was something that, that, you know, was taken really, really seriously. And, and, you know, I was a part of that. It is a pain in the ass and it is hard to wrangle i mean like it's hard to shoot movies when you have a budget and a studio and a director you know like that's difficult to do it for no pay 
you know, is is insane. The idea of short of, of shooting 400 pages of an indie movie is something that anybody who's who's been through that process would regard as actual literal hell. Like, <laughs> you know, you you get everybody wants to be part of it. Every because because they don't know what it means. They don't know what it means. Like, yeah, I want to. It's be awesome. Be on a set making a movie. That'll be great. And then they sit there and they realize it's a lot of waiting around. Can, can, well, can we can we talk about that? That's that's something that I uh, oh I'm so glad um, that. I don't know. It, it it only took us 400 episodes of Scam School and a full season and two specials of Hacking the System for me to go into this dance showdown experience with the correct attitude of understanding I am part of something bigger than me. And while it may not feel like I'm doing anything, the cine- the cinematographer needs to get focus. He needs to zoom all the way into your pupil and be able to see your eyeballs. And he can only do that if you're standing there, not if you're lounging around, not if, you know, they tell you to hit your mark, you hit your mark. And yes, it's hot. And yes, it's boring. And yes, your feet hurt. And yes, it's tedious. But meanwhile, the director's doing director things. The the shooters are doing shooter things. The stagehand are, are doing stagehand things. And it's important that you be there because you are a piece on this chess puzzle and, uh, and, uh, and uh, this chessboard. And it's amazing because you get, um, I don't know, there, there's younger people, less experienced, who are just like, uh, what? They're not doing anything. Let's just, you know, sit down or whatever. It's like, no, you're here to do a job. And 90% of that job is to stand there ready to do the other 10%. That is that is what it means to be involved in any film production, television production, right. or any decently and, and run internet production. And when you're doing kind of like an indie thing, everybody wants to act, everybody wants to do that. And then you get some people want to be crew, but then they're, you know, and then they, it just, it's, it's, it's challenging. And I've, I've done, I did two features like that, you know, and I stopped one partway through because I realized I was doing it really poorly. And, but you know, it's a challenge. So when somebody brings you something like that without thinking through, wait, this is not practical. And, and, and the other thing, the other book, it's like, okay, there could be brilliance here. The next step is how do you how do you present that brilliance to other people? And those are things people don't think about. They'll think about, man, I want my cover to look like this. Like, okay, what about the format? You know, how many pay? You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna design this thing yourself, you know, how big of a, a gal? How many big of a you know are you gonna? How big of a space are you gonna have in your gutter? You know, you have to go through after you write your book and magic happens, you have to then edit it. You know, people finish the book and then they're just in a hurry to get it out there as soon as possible. I'm like, oh, I'll do a spell check. Like homonyms, you know, are like my bane. You know, I there, there, there. I, I'll spell it completely wrong. Too many thes, all these other things. So it'll go right through a spell check. And some people are like, yeah, well, I just turn it off for the grammar check. Well, you know, there's, you know, it can be problematic, it's, but it's a lot less problematic and- if you know what you're doing. You know, we just went through that with with the contender uh, in just getting, you know, the all the cards uh, in the strongest possible position and using strong active language and, and making sure that the cards worked well together. Like anything that you really, really want to do well, like and you want to to have, uh, you know, broad mainstream uh, acceptance man, does it take a while and it mm. takes, it takes effort. I mean, if, if there's more, I mean, like you basically need to go over it, whatever it is. And, and if, if that it is hundreds and thousands of words, you need to go over it like a hundred times the entirety 
of 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 it and, and know specifically what you're looking for uh each and every uh pass that you make you know that you're not just doing it for nothing and, and it is you know boring and tedious and sucky at times yeah i bought myself a laser printer instead of just an inkjet i bought myself a laser printer just so i can print pages out of stuff that i work on and do a little more copy editing a little more proofing on stuff because i realized that like you know, not as I write because, you know, that'll slow you down. But, you know, getting to the point that I can write something and then go print it out before I have an editor look at it or anything else like that. And it's it used to be a lot more painful for me. Now it's not. Partially because uh, I know that I'm creative. I know that I can sit down and write a few thousand words a day and make mad progress. And I don't have a problem abandoning stuff or redoing something or whatever because it's like, you know, after you've climbed a few mountains, you're like, all right, I'm do this mountain. There'll be challenges, but it's a mountain. So yeah. Don't do uh, I, so. I do think there's something fundamentally different too about taking pen and ink to the page and crossing stuff out and, mm-hmm. and writing stuff in the margin. Uh, I, I think what essentially you do is you make a blueprint for yourself of ways to – it makes it a different activity. You're not fixing it. You're writing the blueprint to fix it, which is, is fundamentally different because that, that's you jotting down uh, your immediate reaction to everything. Oh, I now, think uh, there's, there's certainly a medium is the message thing too that like you know when it's printed it's a final thing that you can critique when you are looking at it on on your screen in the same method that you wrote it then you are very much still in that like creator mind and not editor mind so on the thread justin addressed which is like how do you how do you tell your friend you know or how do you tell somebody this sucks which is Every time something comes into Justin's mailbox from me, he has to wrestle with this. And I have in front of me, I have several notes on the first two chapters of something that I've written. Okay. Now, I could read the criticism, and he does, you know, the Oreo sandwich method. This is what I really liked. Maybe fix this. This is what I liked, which is, you know, how you try to make that pill digestible to somebody. Um, and, you know, my approach can be like, uh, you know, one is just to say he doesn't know what he's doing, which I would be sadly mistaken because it turns out Justin's got really, really, really good instincts, better than anybody else I know on this sort of matter. So, you know, I can't exactly ignore it. Um, uh, and I have to, you know, that's the thing. I, I give it to him because he's, he's, you know, I don't give him to him because he's like the, my sharpest critic. I mean, I have other friends who can give me really good. They'll give like, I don't like this, this and this, but sometimes it's more subjective, you know. But I give it to him because of that. And I'll give it to a couple other people who will read it. And then, you know, the, the, this, the, the best advice is you give it to three people. And if more than one person says the same thing, they're right. You're wrong. Yeah. And you can you can also qualify. You could tell the truth, but qua- but couch it in a way that gives wiggle room for them to interpret uh, however they want. Because the biggest question when you whenever you find yourself in this situation is, does this person really want honest feedback? Uh, mm-hmm. And if they don't, if all they do, then then just find something that is true and positive about it and give that, you know. But but if, if you think they do, I, I, I think it's I think it's important to give it to them, but also allow them to interpret it how they want to say, uh, I'm the kind of guy who likes blank. So maybe this is couched in that background. But when I read this, I really felt this way or, or you know, I I strongly you know, this part strongly disagreed with me. You know, maybe that's me. And then it's up to them to decide, yeah, it's you, because that's my whole point of the book. Well, I think, and, and, and two, you know, my relationship with Andrew in terms of, uh, you know, working on, on his writing is unique in that I've, we've had a back and forth. I, I, I know kind of where 
my role is in, in terms of, 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 of where stuff is. And a lot of it is just knowing his strengths and knowing like what is, uh, you know, like matching what I believe his strengths to be versus my expectation of, of the book and uh, in large times uh, in being informed by talking about the project before or, or, or during or other ideas that, that we've kind of talked about and saying like, oh, okay, well, if that's where you're going, then, then, then what about this or what about that? Uh, I will say in general, and this isn't just Andrew, this is, uh, this is everybody. Uh, if you like something about it, and, and again, it, it, it can be uh, as, as uh, kind of rudimentary as like the, the Oreo cookie format of like positive, negative, positive, negative. But like I always want to lead with what I liked about something uh, before what I what I didn't like about something. If, if even just uh, criticism of any variety is very vulnerable, you know, for, for, for the person who has put something out there. And, and I don't think that that in any stage, professional, amateur really ever goes away. You know that that you uh, you always want to at least part of handing anything to anybody is understanding is this like is this just flaming crap like you know is this just like garbage and and there is an element that I think is always you can never say enough hey look this is good this is really like this is something that like you because it doesn't happen by accident good stuff doesn't just randomly you know populate like it, it takes talent to do it and it is necessary in my opinion to criticize something based on like hey look this rocks like let's this is just you know i, I don't want the, the the five you know the the, the two degree tweak here and here and there to get in the way of of to be the whole show the whole show is that this is really good Kim, you know the uh, the problem is is that most stuff you're going to be asked to read or is not good yeah you know, statistically speaking, you know, when, when, you know, the average person listening is asked there to look at somebody that the work that somebody else produced, it's not going to be good. And that's problematic. And that's, that's the, like, I don't like to read other people's stuff. I do not. Cause like, I don't read a lot of books anymore. Cause I just don't even like things that are professionally produced. Cause it's just doesn't appeal to me. And I, and I try to qualify for people like, this is not my thing. You know, if you ask me to read your fantasy novel, I'm not the guy. I'm really not the guy. I don't like the stuff that people love, not because I think it's bad, but because it's not for me. And I sincerely mean it's not for me. And I've been asked to review, you know, I got asked to do a review of a book by, you know, a friend of my agent and they sent me the description. I had asked like, is this a comedy? Like, no, it's a thriller. I'm like, that's such an absurd premise that I don't think I'd ever be able to get into it, you know? And, and, and it could be, you know, it could be a book that's a huge bestseller, you know, but I'm just so particular about the Maltese Falcon. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and again, I, I'm. Birds you know. are made of feathers, not Maltese. Come on. <laughs> uh, but that gets the question. Is like it's that I'm, I'm. You know, when one, it's like, how do you tell somebody? You know, and sometimes like I just don't. You know, because it's like I, I, you know, the, the, the. There's one person in the world that I think that can take full Andrew Maine. I'm gonna tear this apart. And that would be Justin, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and and Justin understands completely that when I look at something, it is completely about the work. It's not about ego. It's not about the personalities. It's nothing about that. It's like, OK, 
I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this apart. Like I just found it on the street and I know nothing about where it came from. And I'm going to tell you what I think, you know? So what about, uh, what about the entry dance? Let's say you've got a product and you want to get feedback on it is the right way to just hand it out to everyone. Because I, it, there are a number of people who ask me to uh, check out their podcast and, and uh, podcast is of all the formats, probably the one that, that I'm most able to uh, check out because I can be washing dis- dishes and check out your podcast or whatever. It's not like a book or, or a, uh, a movie or a television show or whatever, uh, or, or a web series where um, uh, for me, if I look at it and it looks like more than an hour long commitment or, or even more than a 10 minute commitment, all of a sudden it goes to a different category of like, I don't have the time to give away, you know, feedback on something of this magnitude. I don't, I don't have the time to consume it, let alone synthesize it and, 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 you know, uh, do a proper job of, of helping you edit it or whatever. Whereas like, if you were to give me a sample of it uh, and uh, for example, we can uh, uh, give a, give a nod to, um, friend of the show, uh, Gordon McLeod did a great, fantastic job. He's, he's doing a lot of writing and he sent me a short story. And because it was a short story, I was able to actually read it and give some honest feedback. Uh, and I felt like it was incredibly sensitive of him to, uh, to, to, you know, respect my time. Uh, and, and that's why I, I carved out like, you know, I'm going to take 25 minutes right now. I'm going to read this and I'm going to give feedback. And, um, I, I don't get that very often. I just get a lot of requests for people to anyway, here's the PDF of my 500 page book. Yeah, and that's 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 the hard part is that you know sometimes you know we want people to give us feedback and we haven't earned the right from that we haven't earned their time and you know uh, you know they have other they have lives and things they have to do no matter how important this may be to us to them it's it's not and it's. You know, you want to find environments where you can get feedback, where you can get, you know, some input on stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I recommend is like when I wanted to get, you know, I first said to myself maybe seven years ago, six years ago, I said, you know what, I want to take writing a little bit more seriously, but I know I have deficits. I know that that as creative as I am, I know that I have some basic deficits. I started taking a creative writing class at the local community college in evenings and, you know, I was there with, you know, seven or eight other people, whatever, and we write short stories and we do that. And I got great feedback from, uh, you know, the teacher. I got great feedback from the students and, you know, people really loved my ideas, but I realized that I was, I was really into world building and not character building. I realized that, you know, I had to, I explained everything, but my character motivations weren't as clear as they could have been. And I said, oh, these are the things I don't think about. I need to address those with the same intensity I do other stuff. And that made me a better writer. Now, there's a, there's a limit to where those writing groups and places can get problematic. They're great for getting over technical things. They're really, really good at learning basic technique, writing technique. But when it comes to is a story going to be good or great or whatever, some of the best reviewed books in the New York Times review of books are books that I find completely and utterly boring. You know, the stuff that my editor and her friends and all that probably chortle over and love are things that would put me to sleep. And that becomes a danger where you start trying to, you know, cater to an audience. And some of the some of the best selling books you'll see in these lists, you find out people, average people don't finish them. And so I know, okay, there's how much I'm gonna learn, but when I want to write commercial fiction, meaning something that an average person's gonna finish. That's something I'm going to have to figure out on my own by reading other books. But just being able to tell a consistent story, understanding things like 
What's the inciting incident? You know, what's the character motivation? You know, why, how character is not a description of physical traits, but an actual description of who they are, their personality, other things like that. These are basic techniques that you learn by being around other people, and it's a way to get opportunities to have people look at your work. <laughs> well, and keep in mind, if what you want to get is honest feedback, um, I, I, do, I guess the answer uh, is you have to build up credit with someone so that they could cash mm -hmm. it in and say, invest your time. This very well might be crap, but if it is crap, it would mean a lot to me that you would spend some time and then tell me it's crap. And, and that's very, not the kind of very thing. Very specifically – Here's a, a, a caveat to that because I think this is real-world advice that everybody can use. Mm -hmm. Don't give a finished product. Like I think that is, that is very often, I think, where things get very frustrating both for the creator and the helpful constructive critic is you have something that you've invested a lot in and you feel is very close to kind of the, the end, you know, uh, and if you don't have a rapport with somebody and they know that 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 there are differences, like there's a difference between if Andrew hands me a full book, uh, then I'm I'm looking more. My criticism is going to be more along the lines of like, OK, this wasn't clear. Is there a way that, that this could be more clear or stuff like that? You know, it, it, it's it's very uh, just in the form and function, understanding that this is already uh, a fairly finished product. Right. It's it's that whole uh, sunk cost like like if it if it is clear that it's still in flux, then, you know, if there's something that's not agreeing with them, then they have a chance to help right the rudder and avoid that 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 iceberg. But, but instead, you know, if, if you're like, it's all done, tell me you love it. And it's like there ain't nothing I could do except it's exactly the problem. And, and that's. You know, we people give us this stuff and you tell them, oh, well, this, 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 and this. And there might be any big structural things. And it's too late. That ship sailed and they don't want to hear that. They, do, they either want to hear you praise or maybe, you know, tiny little fixes. I will send Justin, you know, the first couple chapters of something. You know, the first chapter or two, I'll send it to him, kind of figure out, do you get the character? Do you get this rule? Do you see where this is going? And maybe the first 10,000 and then you won't hear from me until the book is finished. Yeah. Yeah. Public Enemy Zero. How many? How many first chapters did did, did that go through? That was several. And so Public Enemy Zero was an example of first I tried it with a first person point of view, but I realized that his inner dialogue was going to be far too cheeky for something that I wanted to be really serious. You know, that went through a lot, and that was finding voice. And you know, I've had a lot of conversations with other people, you know, about voice. And like, you know, I was at a seminar, like Kevin J. Anderson's, like, oh, don't use, you know, first person present tense never use that and i'm like dude that's that's my jam now you know i love first person present tense and people are like well but you'll know that the character dot you don't, you'll know the character doesn't die no you don't i mean if somebody's telling you a story and it's their if it's first person point of view no matter what doesn't mean that they you know start, survive or die but it, it what i love about first person point of view is it really puts you inside somebody's head yeah and i think it's far more cinematic too well and and isn't that um that's what uh, that that's essentially what they did for for half to a third of the Martian, which was really interesting. You know, the fact that the opening uh, chapter is an assessment of his current situation and the thoughts going through his head, and then him telling the story up until that point. But again, it's all all, all present tense, first person. Um, then he has to shift. Uh, uh, correct, uh, correct. Yeah, he does. Which is fine. There's no rule that he can't. Hunger Games. First person point of view, present tense. Katniss. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was the book that changed me on it. That was the book that sold me on the idea of, hey, you know, there's something to this sort of style for certain kinds of stories. 
And with Martian, where it wants to get into bigger things and things happening literally millions of miles away, that don't work. So you've got to change it up. But it worked, yeah. you know, for the people who read the book, it worked wonderfully so. And and you get these hard and fast rules. People are like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. Why not? You know, Patterson, James Patterson, will write a book in first person point of view of the good guy and the villain. Yeah, you know. Uh, but I think these are the kind of things that that knowing and thinking about are are, are very uh, important. And in terms of the criticism. Uh, element, I think that there is if you're serious about it then you can be serious about making a friend to to uh, get invested in, in you going through stuff. Uh, w- whether it be another writer or, or a friend you know, finding somebody whose opinion that you trust that, that can get involved in it I mean, listen, they will be the first of many, 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 many many people that you are going to have to convince uh, your art is worthwhile. You know, and and it might be painful and it might be awkward and it might be weird and it might take you subjugating your ego uh, a, a little bit or understanding that it's going to get hurt along the way. But, man, if you can't do it now, oh, if you took whatever draft you had and for whatever reason it became popular, you would not like what happens afterward, you know? If, yeah. If, yeah, I guess that's the thing. If, if you have the audacity to try to create anything, you are going to eat mountains of crap, and it will either become – it'll either come to you before it gets published or after it comes published. So, you know, you take a look – at you take Stephanie Myers, who wrote Twilight, right? And the Twilight books, they're not well-written books. They're not. They, they, they feel like, you know, they're, they're the mindset and kind of the writing of a teenage girl, you know? And, and – there are arguments that I know one of the guys that worked, you know, worked with her and said, you know, go tell you that that was sort of intentional or whatever. I don't know. But hot topic, great theme, you know, high school romance with a vampire. If you think about it, it gets really, really creepy. But that's let's not think about that. You know, <laughs> she wrote this. She hopped, hopped in, hopped into the zeitgeist. And then she goes and does the book, The Host, which just tanks. Same writer, same sort of style, but it's this weird sci-fi concept kind of thing, and it doesn't work probably because it's not a hot, sexy thing like Twilight was. And her skills at that point appeared to be more in coming up with a really cool product as more so than being a writer. And you see that with a number of writers who've had some big success with something, and then now they're like, I get it. I know it. I understand how this works now. And they are even harder to give notes to, even more further removed because they have success and they will use that as a shield to say, I know what I'm doing, you know? So that's a yeah. problem. I don't know. I feel like we can keep going all night on this. Well, and it's, it's, uh, it's important, you know? And, and again, all these skills, every element of it, every stitch of it will benefit you a million times over. It, it, and if you can't do it, every step forward will be harder. Every step over will be painful to the point where uh, it, it, it will almost become untenable. Like, like this is just a necessary element of it. Yeah, yeah I think there are, there are certain rules and things like that that we tend to want to ignore because we're like, oh, those are the people that like the rules. Who cares if my participles dangle or my gerunds are there, you know? Fine, but there are very basic rules that I when I find people just ignore those, not because they're coming from a position of an informed position, but coming from a position of ignorance. It's like you're gonna gonna keep falling over the same thing over and over and over again. And, and there are people who I respect to a degree, like 
Elmore Leonard, you know, makes very good points about, you know, don't use too many adjectives or adverbs when you're trying to describe people speaking, you know, like he said menacingly, she responded, you know, angrily and da 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 da. Guess what? I use those sometimes because I don't need to have five people one after the other. Each one said, Frank said, Joe said, Bill said, Joe said, which I just saw in an Isaac Asimov book. But man, it reads like a transcript, you know, and I, and I believe like Elmore Leonard comes from the side like, don't push the writer into the story. Let the characters be the story. I'm like, I get that. But there is a writer voice and it can be sometimes overpowering. Sometimes it should dial back and forth. You have to decide it for yourself. The key is to know why people think these things. Well, and once you focus so hard on the work, he said, uh, encouragingly, (laughs) it's so easy to kind of, uh, lose track of like what's important to people and what people find, uh, jarring, what, what takes people out of the story. Uh, you know, for, for me, I can read things and I, I am not a, 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 a grammarian. Uh, I, I will, I will, a lot of stuff will just, I, I'll, I'll get the point and I'll move on. That's not the vast majority of people who, uh, who, who read on any level, <laughs> you know, many, 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 uh, get, get, get shocked out of it. And, and people, it's like things you don't necessarily think of like Andrew, the formatting, the difference between fiction formatting and nonfiction formatting. I remember I once sent a thing to Andrew that was like, yeah, dude, you're formatting it like a news article. Uh, you shouldn't do that. Cause that's not how books are written. And I'm like, Oh, look at that. <laughs> Live and learn, you know? Uh, it, it's like it's like you 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 write it with the uh, the the funnel the the inverse pyramid where it's like uh, 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 sled turns out to be rosebud earlier today citizen Kane passed away and then it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah no, I mean, it was it was a it was a formatting thing it was like uh, I didn't put indents and because news copy doesn't have indents right and uh, uh, and fiction writing does and it was a fiction story and it was like hey. Uh, that's an important thing to know. And I was like, well, I'm very glad I know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, the question that in the chat room, Tinsor guy wanted to know what Asimov book this was. This was uh, one of the, the, uh, the Black Widow Club mysteries. Um, and it, it's different. It's interesting. He points out, he says, you know, Scalzi says when he listens to an audiobook, hearing that the he said, she said, drives him nuts, but you don't notice as much when you're reading. That's true. When you listen to an audiobook, like he, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking this up. He replied, da, 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 da. And you go, oh, like, and that can be, you know, get in the way a little bit. And some things sound better than they read and some things read better than they sound. And it's, 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 it's hard. But, you know, pay attention. Like, go look at a book. Go look at a book and go, oh, how many words are on a page? You know, oh, how big is the font? Oh, I mean, besides just getting to the story points or whatever, you know, but just – just that technical, the technical side of it is there's so many things like I, my first books I wrote as a magician, I'd put by, you know, we talked about this before I use by my name, whatever. Right. Uh, but what's great now is like, if you want to get a cover, if you look up like, uh, covers like book covers, pre-made, you can get some great looking stuff. You know, you can get some great looking pre-made covers for like a hundred bucks. That doesn't make your book look super cheap. Yeah. You know? Good point. But still the content matters. Yeah. So. Any picks? 
Uh, yeah, real quick. Um, I forgot which program I was on or who I was talking to that they suggested it. Um, but there's an audiobook that I'm really digging the hell out of. I'm almost halfway through it right now. Uh, I believe it's called Stumbling Into Happiness or Stumbling, uh, Stumbling to Happiness. Yeah, Stumbling, uh, yeah, Stumbling on Happiness. It's read by the author. It's a series of meditations on how, um, uh, happiness is a, uh, a funny, tricky thing that is uh, astonishingly difficult to figure out what causes it and uh, what can lead us to it. And he uh, says, first and foremost, this book is not a book on how to be happy. If you want one of those, uh, that go find the self-help section, go read it. And then once it doesn't work for you, come back here and this book will explain why. And uh, I think that's a really fascinating take on it. And I'm really enjoying it. A lot of thought experiments and uh, some science research. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things he does, he talks a lot about, you know, how it's inherently obvious to everybody <laughs> who is not currently physically attached to their sibling that a independent body is a superior and uh, happier lifestyle than, um, you know, being a, a conjoined twin. And yet, uh, evidence uh, universally, every pair of conjoined twins seems to be just as happy as everyone else and so you know the question like is their happiness like somehow not as good as ours is that why we risk killing a sibling in order to give them a, a singleton existence and uh uh you know and and you know stuff like um you know, if you imagine you were struck blind, how would you feel a year from now? And they were like, oh, I'd be so bothered by how blind I am. And it's like, uh, well, that's because you're not thinking of all the other things that will happen in the next year. In the next year, you will make love. You will, you know, uh, laugh. You will uh, cry. You will experience amazing audiobooks and all that stuff. And it's like, and, and all of that seems inconsistent with the idea of being miserable. And it's only after you think of those little things that you're able to, you know, wrap your mind around uh, stuff. Really, really good stuff about uh, cognitive biases. Uh, I, I have, all right. So a plug and a pick, uh, plug first. I, uh, we're, we're doing some really fun stuff. I think this week, uh, around the contender, uh, we, if you get, go ahead and get on our mailing list, uh, you go to the contender.us, click the volunteer red button down below, uh, and sign up for the mailing list. We are going to do a thing this week where we reveal, Every uh, all, all the warts and all money element of uh, how we raised uh, whatever we did on the hundred forty two thousand dollars on Kickstarter, uh, what it cost to do it, what it cost, uh, you know, the, the strategies that we laid into doing it, the lessons that we took before we started, uh, what we learned from it, what we would do different if we could do it again and uh, the up to the date, how we decided uh, where to print with, where we are printing with and how much money. We have spent thus far. If you are a number nerd, if you are a money nerd, if you want to know uh, what we know now from running that Kickstarter and, and kind of finding out overnight that we are now, you know, the proprietors of a small business, uh, to Costa Rica. And, then you will uh, you will enjoy it. So go ahead and follow uh, the contender mailing list. It'll be up on Medium, but the best and easiest and fastest way to do it will be through the mailing list. So sign up for that. Uh, the contender us. The pick that we have is uh, the Bill Simmons podcast. Bill Simmons used to be a writer and television personality for ESPN under contentious circumstances. He left, uh, I think six months ago. Uh, what he, he released his new podcast, which, uh, which I assume came after a six month, uh, you know, he can't do anything period for his buyout. Uh, he, uh, it's very interesting because this is a guy who, who got signed to ESPN 
uh, or sorry, sorry, uh, signed uh, signed up with HBO. Is going to be doing a show with HBO, but this is him uh, just doing an independent podcast, and it's curious to see what that looks like coming off of of of, uh, of that success and how very specifically, in my opinion, it was different and what was the same from Adam Carolla, who came from a very similar uh, a point of view on uh, you know coming from a big major media thing. And going independent. So in terms of creators, it was very interesting to me for me to see what kind of content he did, how many ads he had on it, what he seemed to care about, what he didn't seem to care about. Uh, and, and it was it was fascinating uh, listening to it. Uh, spoiler alert. He had a personal vendetta against ESPN uh, with them telling him that they couldn't monetize the podcast. And so he monetizes the podcast with a capital uh, M and also all the other letters. Well, and so uh, d- uh, when you say so, like by what method does he monetize it? Does he do Patreon and uh, does oh, it sell ads, ads and ads? Yeah. Ads, ads, ads. Uh, <laughs> this is how, do you want ads? Cause this is how you get ads. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, no, it, it, it's a lot of it. And uh, at times it's like, Oh wow. Like definitely like you've been gone from public life for six months. And the first words that we hear from his voice is him doing a meundies.com read uh, at, the, at the top of the program, which is interesting uh, to think about. But uh, but also because I'm sure he knew he could sell that spot for a pretty penny and he could sell these first five, six episodes for for quite a bit of money. Uh, so it's 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 interesting to see uh, where he kind of took advantage of stuff. And I think it is very instructive for creators. So I, I ordered a book, like I order, like most of the books I buy are actually on writing, you know, write a, I read, write a book, I read a book on writing and I'm always sort of looking to improve and pick up little tidbits here and there to, to get, you know, better at what I do. And, uh, I ordered one that was this kind of like a thesaurus of descriptions of like how to describe emotions and stuff. Cause I'm like, this is great. Cause you know, I don't want to just keep using, you know, simple, you know, adverbs and stuff to do that. And it was funny as I get this book. And, 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 you know, this is for writers, by writers. The way it was made is like the top, the top half of it got chopped off at the book binder or whatever. Oh. So I'm missing the first sentence on every single page, which I'm oh, like, no. I'm like, oh, man. So I got to send it back to Amazon. And then I read the first pair or the first page. And it talks about the use of like how you want to just, you know, writing is showing, not telling, you know, show me, don't tell me, you know, and I'm, I'm a, that's the first advice I ever got. And it's a thing I constantly try to remind myself is show people, don't tell people. And then they have this example of this woman being interviewed, you know, and, and she's angry and she angrily does this or whatever. And it's three sentences. And they said, well, here's another way to try this. And they give you five paragraphs to describe that three-sentence thing that's extremely descriptive and stuff. And we have a lot of information about her kids, her purse, and she angrily, she got shot. You know, when she got up, the chair went and hit the back wall and all this. And I'm like, all right, this book has like a thousand reviews and people love it. But I'm like, this is not good advice. You took three sentences and turned it into five paragraphs that is a fail in my book, you know, and it certainly showed that you could take so much more out of there. And that's, you know, an example of literature in a big word. It's how to take this. And so, but and that being said, I'm going to get a different version of the book that actually has the rest of the sentences because there's, it's got tons of really good examples, but I'm not going to mention it right now because I just kind of, you know, just trash that example, which to me was just sort of like, to me is I put that in the, the sketchy advice. So instead 
the book that, that really helped me understand writing, the book that changed the way I thought about these things, uh, was by Rudolph Flesh. You ever do like, hey, what's the readability on my little on my thing here? And you click Microsoft Word and it tells you what grade level it's at it's at. Flesh, I think it's called the Flesh Kincaid, but Rudolph Flesh was one of the people that helped develop that method by looking at words and sentences to figure out what grade level this thing is written at. And he's written you know, long time. I mean, this guy wrote years and years and years ago, but he wrote a number of really good books on writing. Uh, one called Why Johnny Can't Read, which, you know, dealt with kind of literacy in America. And my favorite, the one that really changed the way I thought about writing was The Art of Readable Writing. And he goes in there and explains about voice, basic grammar and understanding simple structures and simple things to deal with writing and shows you something that an English teacher would say, oh, this is horrible. But he says, no, this is great. It's a southern gentleman talking the way he talks and you understand that. And and it's funny because sometimes like I'll send in a book to get an edit and I'll get it back and they'll correct it the way people speak. You know, like, oh, it's whom, not whose. I'm like, I don't think this person knows that. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, and, but, you know, anyhow, point is, Art of Readable Writing by Rudolph Flesh is something that I really enjoyed. So, Dave, uh, uh, he's done, there's a, in print, is they have different versions. He does a book called The Way to Write, which came out in 1946. So, I don't know if the Art of Readable Writing is still in print, but you can still get a copy. Nice. Oh, there yeah. You go. All right, guys. I gotta. We gotta record some stuff. Is, shall we say uh, it's been after? Been after. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.